when you, you really want something in your deep core and you're not going after it, um, you just continue to go deeper into this cycle of, of misery. And, and sometimes, you know, as it was the case with me, I was like, what's the point of even, you know, being alive, right? Yeah. If I'm just going to be doing this work that I'm not that excited about, like, is this really all there is? Welcome back to season seven of the I'm Uncomfortable podcast, the podcast for people who want to be okay with being uncomfortable. We're your hosts, Vanessa and Melissa. And today we're really excited to welcome a special guest to our show, Megan Murphy, a life and career coach focused on helping people find professional purpose, which is something that I think most of us really desperately need. But before that, we usually share our uncomfortable moments. And since we have a guest today, Megan, we're going to hand it off to you to share what's been making you uncomfortable lately. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for having me on the show. I... um am uncomfortable a lot being a native Californian living in the South. Um, oh so, you know, one thing specifically that happened to me recently, I was um, at a, a resort where there happened to be a wedding like happening on the beach. And some of the people that I was with um, observed that this was a uh, lesbian wedding and they were going on and on about how quote unquote funny and interesting it was that this wedding happened to be a lesbian wedding, not knowing that I identify as bi. And so that was incredibly uncomfortable for me yeah. and just reminded me that there's still a lot of work to do, mm-hmm. um, you know, for LGBT rights and, and acceptance, especially in the South. Wow. Wow. That's fascinating. Right. And people that you're actively with saying that not knowing. Wow. Oh. Yeah. The that assumptions that are there about, you know, yeah. That's yeah. interesting. And I didn't know you were a native Californian. So, and have you just been living in the South for the past couple of years or when did you decide that you're going to move yourself there? Yeah. So I've been here in Tennessee for about two years um, and it's been really exciting to get to see a different part of the country. You know, the cost of living is much more affordable here than it was in the Sacramento area, um, which is kind of what keeps me here as well. Um, And it is really fun. I also love the rain. So it's awesome that like it rains in all seasons here. So we get like our summer storms and all that. Is it really? I had no Mm -hmm. idea it rained so much over there. Yeah, pretty cool. It's like living in a tropical oasis in some ways. Interesting. Well, I was just curious. It's very funny to me that you say that it's cheaper than Sacramento because like Sacramento is sometimes or around Sacramento is like the cheaper area now. Oh yeah, of of California for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's hilarious. I actually had a friend buy a home out in Elk Grove, which is like right Mm -hmm. outside Zach because it was cheaper than the Yeah, in some ways, I'm really sad that I left because I'm like, oh, you know, like when you're in California, you don't realize how much cheaper it is elsewhere in the country, right? right. Now that I've experienced something else, I'm like, I can never go back. Like, I can't give myself <laughs> wow. like a 30,000 pay decrease, right? Um, yeah. But California is still the best state. All right, we're leaving, Melissa. It's decided. <laughs> I can't. I'm, I'm, I'm born and raised here. I can't. I think I have to, <laughs> with what Megan said about once you leave, and you realize, I think I need to stay in this like ignorance. You do. Bliss. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't know anything else out there. It's not that expensive, right? Well, speaking of not knowing anything else out there and being scared to make changes, we're actually going to talk about that today with Megan a little bit. So excited to have Megan on the show. Um, if you haven't uh, seen her on Instagram, all of her posts as of recently and just in general have been about transitioning, taking the leap, not being scared to define your purpose and to go after the career that you want. Uh, and so Megan, I'd love to give you the opportunity to kind of talk to us a little bit about 
how you got to this point? Like, is this something that you've always done as career coaching? Has that always been a passion for you? Or how did you find yourself doing this line of work? Yeah, absolutely. So I personally have struggled, you know, basically since before college with this concept of like, what is my purpose? And for me, mm-hmm. purpose has always had something to do with my profession. Um, you know, what what am I going to be doing to make money? Like, I want to make an impact. I want to um, be able to leave some sort of a legacy through the work that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, for, you know, I kind of just fell into HR. Like a lot of us after college, we just kind of fall mm-hmm. into some sort of a career and then we're doing it and kind of through my work in HR. I realized a lot of people are just um, kind of coasting along in careers that at best they are not that excited about. And at worst, they're like actively miserable in. And I personally had an experience where I was so miserable at work. I literally had thoughts of suicide and I, um, it occurred to me at that point, this is probably like an indication that I need to do something different, which is where Mm. I found coaching and started coaching um, and building my own business, Um, you know, really Mm. trying to make an impact by helping other people um, get out of similar situations where, you know, either they're, they're not excited or, you know, at worst, like completely miserable. Yeah, that makes sense. I'm sorry that you went through that. That's horrible right. and not a not a way to live at all and we are very familiar here at the podcast of about feeling uncomfortable in terms of work and Melissa actually was so uncomfortable <laughs> that she quit her job Ooh, which is how I we like kicked it. off the season <laughs> yeah that was our hello we're back with season seven Melissa quit her job right <laughs> um and I you talk about purpose and and it usually being tied to or stereotypically being tied to what, you know, what you choose as a career. And, and I I really resonated with you also saying, you know, people tend to just go to college or get credentials of some kind and then fall into something that they didn't necessarily think that they would be in, or they think that this is the path, the next step, you know, for them and end up either, you know, either, being okay with it and then at the worst end up being miserable and and I can definitely relate to that because at the tail end of the job that I was at previously I had been there for eight years I like blinked and it had been almost a decade of me being there and I remember telling myself that I I was going to stay there for a maximum of five and then when I reached five I was like oh I could stick around a little longer and then when things just ended up continuing in terms of the environment continuing to not improve, even though I, you know, try to justify as much as possible and stick it, stick to it as, as long as possible. It just, at the end of, you know, the year, I guess in 2022, I, 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 my mind was just set. I was like, I can't, I can't do this to myself anymore. And, and, um, you know, there were, I, I, I think I previously talked about this in our, Um, season opener episode but one of the kind of light bulb moments that and you mentioned you know being in your situation getting to a point where where you were so miserable and stressed um, to the point of like having those kinds of thoughts of suicide Um, although I am very fortunate I didn't get to that point I definitely had moments where I just was miserable and depressed and coming home crying multiple times a week and that's not a great indicator of of any sort of happiness and I know for me one of the light bulb moments was also experiencing a couple losses in my family Mm -hmm. past couple like 
those months and me being forced to have that perspective shift of what actually is important. Um, what am I contributing to? And yeah, how am I spending my time? Because all of that can just be like gone in a second. So that was kind of part of my like come to Jesus moment where I was like, okay, what am I really doing with <laughs> my life? So it's interesting to me that you had that moment for yourself and you're like, I'm going to shift and help other people that are maybe going through the same situation. So I guess for me, it's, you know, did you, is this your purpose? You feel like that you you've kind of fallen into this as, you know, all of those things said, not that we wanted you to go through all of that, but somehow it led you to this path of your, your finding your own purpose. So yeah. I'd like to more yeah. about that. Absolutely. And I, I love what you just talked about, about like a come to Jesus moment where you realize like, okay, life is, is not it, this infinite journey that we get to be on forever. Like I have a limited amount of time and anything could happen at any moment. That's part of what I want to offer to people through my content is like a come to Jesus moment of like, okay, you don't have this limitless amount of time to make action towards your dreams. Like if you've always wanted to be on Broadway, but you're working as a bartender right now, like you don't, you don't have forever to make that dream a reality. And so working with my clients, both through like my free content, as well as like my one-on-one -on -one content to like help them actually start to make a game plan and take this big goal and break it down into action steps of like things that they can do right now. Because I think a lot of the time, what keeps us stuck in our careers that we're not that excited about is our ultimate goal seems too big and scary and out there. And a lot of the time, you know, the dreams that we really want may not be accepted by society. Like we may have accepted these lies that like only a special few get to be like sports announcers or whatever. And so we make all these reasons and we logic ourselves into staying into a career that we're not satisfied in, thinking mm -hmm. that eventually this logic will, um, will eventually convince ourselves, right? To not want this anymore. But yeah. from my personal experience and the experience of my clients, what I see happening is you just perpetuate your own misery, right? When you, you really want something in your deep core and you're not going after it, um, you just continue to go deeper into this cycle of, of misery. And, and sometimes, you know, as it was the case with me, I was like, what's the point of even, you know, being alive, right? Yeah. If I'm just going to be doing this work that I'm not that excited about, like, is this really all there is? Okay. I have to, I have to confess. I've had a moment, a few moments, not, not where it's like, I, I feel like exiting the world, but just, um, it's been a conversation amongst friends of, is this all there is, right? Yeah. Like you, you work and you pay bills and you like maybe have dinner and then you go to sleep and you do it all again. And, <laughs> and I just, I mean, I laugh, like it's funny, but at the same time, it's a very real situation for a lot of us. And I don't know, I'm wondering if a lot of your clients have experienced the sense of um, my worth is my work. Mm -hmm. Like I, I am what my job is. I don't know if that's an us like our generation thing I don't know if that has shifted with people who are younger than us or if it was the same like I don't even know where it came from this idea of like my identity being tied into what I do for a living so is that something that a lot of people that you work with do they share that same sentiment and, and if so like how have you worked to combat that mentality yeah, I think I and I don't know, I'm, I'm with you. I don't know if this is something that's just our generation or, you know, if it's something that all generations have struggled with, right? Because forever, one of the very first things we ask when we meet a new person is like, what do you do? Right? And so it's just really embedded into like, our society that, you know, who we are is what we do for work. Um, and, you know, I think, 
with my clients, especially given that a lot of our dreams are like really far in the future, right? Like I would love to be like a full-time, fully employed, independent coach, motivational speaker, like all these things. That's like 10 years in the future, right? But I think where the satisfaction and the purpose comes from for me and some of my clients right now is, are you making progress towards the, your ultimate goal, right? Because then, yeah, right now I'm a recruiter and a part-time life coach, right? Like that's what I'm doing right now. But I know that I'm every day taking steps to move closer to my ultimate goal. That makes, you know, it, it does disconnect my identity, I think, a little bit from what I do for work. Um, you know, knowing that I'm not what I'm doing right now, like I, I am making progress towards this identity that I want to have for myself in the future. So I think, you know, what I work on with my clients is finding more purposeful work rather than disconnecting our identity from work. But I, I do think it's important to also keep in mind that there are other things in our lives that, that um, make us who we are, right? Like our relationships with other people and our hobbies and things that are all also very important, you know, that we look at, especially if we're in a job or a career that we're not satisfied with, it's important that we are able to um, recognize the things in our lives that are going well and make us who we are. Yeah. And I, I was going to say the thing that I've been focus, focusing on over the past um, two months that I've been fun employed has been really kind of getting back into touch with things that make like make me happy outside of the work that I was doing, the things that I was too exhausted mentally, physically, emotionally to do after that long day of work. Those mm. are the things that I've been focusing on, like reintroducing into my life and reintroducing into my into my routine and and really kind of recalibrating my brain a little bit to because at first I, I I was I think I was telling Vanessa this as like I don't know what to do with myself. I mm. I don't know what it is to not wake up in the morning and then the first thing I think about is what I have to do at work today and dreading it. <laughs> the the shortly after that, <laughs> dreading having to do it. And having the complete opposite of that and having slower mornings and time to actually think about other things it's it's kind of a shock because like you said I think for such a long time and I was talking to some um, some of my friends apparently it's a very American thing for us mm. to to associate our identity with our work and and it being the first question we ask of people when we're meeting new people it's like what do you do and when we ask that we assume we talk we assume what do you do for work and and I've talked to people who are uh, like from Europe and they're like that's not a thing like we don't talk about that yeah. what do you do is not mm -hmm. what we ask people when we meet and I, I just think it's so interesting that we are so tied uh, to work as who we are and then an extension of that like our productivity is also tied our level of productivity we tie to our values people and Vanessa and I have yeah. constantly struggled <laughs> with this concept. <laughs> so and it just makes me so uncomfortable because I always say we're like recovering workaholics yeah. recovering like people pleasers all of those mm -hmm. things and I think it's like all stemmed from that you know capitalism maybe I don't know it's just <laughs> such a hard thing to shake and and how do you um, I guess my question that I'm trying to get at here is like when you when you're discussing with your clients, you know, there's you get scared at how huge your goals are and 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 motivation is not always going to be there. So I guess mm. 
how do you address combating a, that like elephant in the room? It's like, we know what you, I know what my goals are, but then it's so scary to, to address and confront those things. Even in this time where I have a lot of time, it's still daunting to even try to start chipping away at that and, and going for it. Cause a lot of times it's like motivation won't always be there. So what happens when that happens? <laughs> what do yeah. I do? <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a really good question. And I think, you know, there's there's a variety of different ways that you can approach the motivation question. So I guess like getting back to your original question is like, how do I help my clients with, you know, setting, you know, those smaller goals that are going to get them to to their ultimate goal? One of the things I like to do is go back to strengths as well as um, the human design system, which I've been looking at um, more recently. Um, and these things can give us clues into how we personally are designed to like work and exert energy and what strengths we have innately that we can tap to make progress towards our goals. So I like to, you know, instead of giving like a prescriptive, like, well, this is what I do, or like, this is what, you know, like LeBron James does, you know, in order to make action towards his goals, I like to get deep into my clients, like personality and strengths and values and astrology stuff, um, and help them figure out how they specifically can make action towards their goals. So within that, um, you know, once you have sort of your game plan, you're right, motivation does ebb and flow. And I think there's something to be said for having discipline. And there's also something to be said for taking breaks. Um, you know, I, I personally, I haven't figured out like the perfect um, system for this, right? Like there are some weeks or months where I'm like every day I'm going to wake up at seven and I'm going to work out and I'm going to do my morning routine and it's going to be great. And I make a lot of progress during those months. And then inevitably I feel like burnout and I'm like, now I don't want to do anything. And typically I will honor that. And I just won't do anything, especially if you're like, you know, you're creative or you're, um, you're doing something if you're in it for the long haul as well, right? You're like, you're taking take you like 10 years to get towards your goals. It's important that you don't just like force yourself, I think, to have discipline forever. Um, I think it's important that you uh, kind of honor those ebbs and flows, but not let yourself get too deep into the break period either, if that makes sense. So yeah. I'm still figuring it out, but I think it's important <laughs> to do both the discipline and the rest. That's so interesting. The concept of, of being okay with taking a break. Uh, just We Melissa struggle I, with that. <laughs> we were mm, just talking about this. this. <laughs> I literally, I'm not feeling like great today. Like my throat is itchy and I was actually concerned that I may have COVID. I took a test. I'm good. But um, Melissa said to me, like, you should just rest, you know, take take the rest of the day. And after, you know, we hop off our call and, and rest. And I was like, but wait, I wanted to go. I wanted to go to hot yoga tonight because like that's something that I've been really trying to get into mm. or the idea of like, wait, but like if I don't do something, I feel guilty. I remember texting Melissa when I did have COVID and I was laying in bed and I was like, I just feel so bad, like not bad physically, but bad mentally like mm. I, I could be doing stuff and Melissa's like but your body needs to rest question mark and I this idea of like I know you've had posts about this Megan of, of hustle culture and mm. how it's not necessarily the healthiest for us and so just would love to hear your thoughts about that guilt um around lack of productivity or lack of being in the hustle culture which mm. I think both of us are very burnt out from yeah, no, I love that question. And it's something that I personally, I feel like I've been successfully deconditioning from for like a year. Um, again, like learning about my personal human design was really helpful for this because I'm like an energy type that's called a projector, which literally when you learn more about it, 
I do not have this limitless well of energy from which I can do all the things. I have a finite amount of energy. And there are a lot of energy types that are like this, by the way. Um, not all of us are designed to just like go, go, go like the Energizer Bunny. Most of us have a, a finite amount of, re uh, of energy that we can use. And so once I kind of learned that about myself, it was like this big full body sigh where I was like, okay, I understand now why I can't just be going from 5 a.m. to 8 p.m. Um, and then I was able to kind of start to do uh, more conscious energy management. So thinking about I have all these things that I need to do. How can I allocate my energy so that I'm able to do these things and then like either put the rest off for another day or just forget about them entirely? Can I delegate these things? Can I automate these things? Instead of feeling guilty about not doing the things, it was let me allocate my energy to the most important things and literally ruthlessly cut out the other things. Like, do I really need to still be a part of this book club that, you know, I don't even read the books half the time? Like, probably oh not. I can let go of that, right? Um, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's what it's been for me is like energy management, identifying what's most important and then ruthlessly cutting out the things that are not. Hmm. I when, love go ahead. that term, ruthlessly, <laughs> ruthlessly. Cut Gotta be out. ruthless. Because, yeah, because I think, you know, a, a lot of the self-help books talk about habit forming and like you need 21 days to like solidify a habit. And then, and then, you know, on the other side of the spectrum, we're talking about, but make sure you take rests and breaks and mm -hmm. give yourself time to recharge. And I think it's just so much confusing and conflicting messaging out there about what mm -hmm. self-care is. I read a tweet the other day that said, um, the only, I complain, the thing I complain about the most is this, how, how much self-care I need to do. Like, it's another thing on the list people end yeah. up having to do. And, you know, it's supposed to be something that helps you recharge and, and really center yourself and kind of come back to yourself on what what you actually want in this life. And it's just interesting to hear about. I, I love those terms, like ruthlessly cutting mm -hmm. out things that you that you may not have energy for. Hey, you tried it. Maybe it's not for you. And then being OK with letting that go. Um, yeah. And then energy management. I love that term as well. It's just like how I have X number of hours that I know that I'm going to be pr productive, that I tend to be productive at, like, what can I tackle in those things? And I love being able to like de delegate the, the term delegate. It's like, ask, it, it ties into being okay with asking for help mm -hmm. because a lot yeah. of the time too, I think, you know, between Vanessa and I, even with running this podcast, sometimes we're like, can you upload this thing for me? Or like, you know, we, we, we rely on each other, but then a lot of people don't may not have that or, or even recognize that that's even an option to like go out and help uh, ask for help from people. So I love that. I love all of those terms. I'm writing that down. I always <laughs> talk about like things that I can put in my toolkit for myself mm -hmm. and I'm mm -hmm. going to put those things in my yeah. little so I love that you're highlighting self-care because this is something that I personally have struggled with is it's like, I am, Health is one of my top two values. If you, if I see something on the internet, that's like, you know, this new health hack, or like, this is a new way to like make your skin better or your sleep better. 
I like have this desire to like add it into my, you know, routine. And what happens is exactly what you're describing. Like you feel bogged down from all of the self-care and you've not even asking yourself the question, do I even like this? So there was a long time where I was waking up at five in the morning and I was working out first thing in the morning because that's what, you know, the internet says is like, working out first thing in the morning is good for you. you can do, yeah. Yeah, I freaking hate it. Like, yeah, I, I, I tried it, hate love it. exercise, right? And it's like, mm-hmm. why am I forcing myself to do something at this specific time of the day because the internet says so mm-hmm. when I would have a way better time doing it later in the day or perhaps not at all on that day. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think, you know, self-care is one of those things that we also have to be really thoughtful about is like, is this genuinely filling my cup? or not and if it's not like it might work for somebody else but like it's not Mm. for me and being okay and letting go letting Mm -hmm. being okay with the fact that it's not for you and finding something else that is oh what a concept Uh, you mentioned something about energy and and talking about how you're a projector are there different kinds of like categories of people is that something that you coach people on can you tell us about it how do we find out what kind we are (laughs) (laughs) totally totally so human design is one of those uh kind of things that I, so I majored in psychology. I've taken like a billion different personality tests. I've always been really fascinated with like what makes me and and other people work um, and how we think about things. Um, Human design is the freakiest system because it's like astrology in that it's based on your birth time and location, but it tells you so much information about yourself that is like freaky accurate. So I'll give you an example. It, it tells you like the type of digestion or the type of atmosphere that is best for you to digest food um, appropriately. And what it what? said for my dad, <laughs> what, it's pretty crazy. What it said for my dad is that he's designed to eat the same thing like every day for his best digestion. And my mom used to give him shit all the time because all he ever wanted was like the same turkey sandwich every day for lunch. And That's like funny. not not understanding that like he just knew intuitively like this was like the best digestion for him so that's just one one example very freaky you can get your chart for free there's a variety of different um websites that you can get your human design chart um Mm. i like uh jenna zoe's it's my human design um but there are five different energy types um the projectors, generators, manifesting generators, reflectors, and manifestors. So um, each one uh, has, you know, different ways that we uh, have our energy. Um, And then there's a whole variety of other things in your chart that give you an idea of like how your intuition speaks to you, um, how you can best make decisions is pretty cool. So yeah, that is one tool that I use with my clients. Oh my gosh, we Maybe love that. Maybe that should be a try. Use. I know. I, I was just thinking that. I was like, wait, we should probably discover ours. Like, maybe that would be. You should. <laughs> also, please tell me immediately what your charts are and send me your graph because <laughs> I'm trying to look at everybody's right now. That'd be so I great. We should totally do it, Melissa. I, and maybe we have to have you back on, Megan, to go over the results. Yeah, love maybe it. we I should. I'm here. Um, I'm here for it. <laughs> Something that you talk about, um, and you've mentioned it several times, is this idea of being scared to 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 take the jump, right, or to take the leap to leave the job that you hate. And if 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 you could kind of give someone advice, Melissa and I often hear something along the lines of what we have also been through, which is I've been at this job, it just kind of happened. I blinked, and all this time went by. This is not actually something I want to do, and it kind of feels like it's like sucking the soul out of me to do it. Uh, and I want to leave, but mm. I don't know how. What are some things that someone like that could do to to take those next steps that need to happen so that they can leave and be happy? 
so if they could be happy. I know that's always, that's what I want for people is like, please be happy. Like we don't have that much time. Like please, please find a job that, that helps you feel fulfilled. So, um, you know, I think really the, the first thing that people need to understand is that life is not happening to you. Like you are actively creating your life at any given time. You, you could walk into your job and say, I freaking quit and just like figure things out. Right. Like there's, there's nothing that's chaining you generally and, and you know, to your job. And so the first thing I, I like to inspire in people is like self-efficacy. Like you are the designer, you're the captain of your fate, your soul or whatever that quote is. Like you get to decide what your life looks like. Of course, if you have kids and like, you know, spouses, like there's other people that you might need to consult and bring into your decision. But in general, like this is your life. So the first thing is like recognize that you're in control of your future. The second thing I would recommend people do is do an in-depth analysis of you know their current work, their previous jobs. This is something I always include in, in the intake survey with new clients is like, what have you enjoyed doing in the past? What have you hated doing? Um, I also love to ask the question, who are you jealous of professionally? I think that can give you some really helpful insights into like, oh, like I'm really jealous of like this, you know, right? Newscaster. I've never thought about that. Like, yeah. what is it about their career and their life that you're jealous of? And then that can give you an idea of what you want more of. Yeah. It's my favorite question. Hmm. <laughs> I'm like, in my head, I'm like, who am I jealous of? <laughs> who, is it? Yeah. who is it? And then you can DM me later and tell me. Um, and so, and then I think, so doing some analysis, you know, of your previous roles, um, previous job experience, previous bosses, people you're jealous of, all that. I think also um, I always do like different personality tests, right? And so I highly recommend looking at your human design chart and understanding like, your energy type and like you can look at your incarnation cross to get an idea of like your life theme and like different things that you might want to think about doing um, in your next career. Um, I'm a big fan of like the Clifton Strengths methodology as well. Oh, yeah. So, like, uh-huh. yeah. so <laughs> I'm also a coach in that. And so understanding like what your strengths are. Um, mm-hmm. Brene Brown has a great set of or a great values uh, exercise that you can do where you are able to distill your values into your top two. And that can give you some really helpful insight into like your, you know, what you value so that you can make sure your next job is more aligned. So again, kind of the first step is like all this like retroactive, like learning work. Mm -hmm. Um, And generally from there, like you kind of know like what your next direction is. If you don't, like you can start informational interviewing, you can take different career aptitude tests and kind of create like some steps for yourself. Obviously, I would recommend working with a coach, um, not to toot my own horn, but generally most of my clients like know what direction they want to go in after our first Mm -hmm. session because the um, like the past investigation work is so useful and like those types of questions are so useful. So then- you know, from there, um, it's about like breaking down the big goal into smaller goals. Like what, what do you need to get done this year to get you closer to this job? What can you do today? Um, and you know, again, getting back to energy management, like what else in my life do I need to remove so that I can start to get out of this job that I hate and make progress towards this job that I want? Because in most cases it's going to be challenging it's probably going to be a pretty significant shift that's going to take some work. And so mm-hmm. you're going to need to reduce your energy output in other areas of your life in order to go after your dreams, especially if they're scary. Huh. I know that was concept. a lot. No, it's great. And I'm just thinking like, oh my gosh, 
I, I think sometimes we part of the, well for me anyway part of the fear is I don't know what to do next right or, or like I don't know how to take steps towards doing something else especially for people who like Melissa and I have been doing kind of the same thing or been in the same company for so long um I mean right in comparison to the rest of our work lives like this is the longest that we've been doing it and so it can be I don't know just really scary and I applaud Melissa all the time for taking the leap and actually just like deciding to leave um so awesome. yeah yeah, uh, even though that's like super fucking scary to me. <laughs> and I know to a lot of people, um, it is scary. So Megan, do you feel like people, do you, is there like a sense of, is it fear of the unknown? Is it fear of failure? What is it that prevents people from even taking those small steps to think about what they might want to do next? And how, how can they kind of get more comfortable with, with that discomfort? Yeah, honestly, and this is crazy because I learned this. I'm also a yoga teacher and and my teacher said something along these lines that I really believe. It's not the fear that we're going to fail that keeps us where we are, but it's actually that we're afraid we'll be successful. Hold on. <laughs> Mic drop. All right, let's end it Hold there. On. That's like... The- <laughs> Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. That's an interesting perspective because we fail all the time, right? On, on little things every day, we make choices every day. Some of them don't work out, but like the concept of actually succeeding is, what is that? <laughs> what is yeah. That? A lot of the time it means like a complete change in our identity, right? Like who are we if we've achieved like this dream. And I think there may be some level of fear as well as like, what happens if I get to that? And it's not as great as I thought it was going to be, you know, like, like what else in my life am I going to have to change in order to get to that? What will I, what relationships may I have to let go of, right? What friendships, Mm -hmm. like as we change and evolve and uh, things, people fall by the wayside. I think there's a lot of fear of change. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, just that piece of like, what if it works out and we are successful? Hmm, that's interesting right and then how if I get closer to that point and I start to realize that it's not something that I want or like maybe it's not all that it was cracked up to be what I thought then then what do I do yeah and that's Mm -hmm. where I'm I kind of worry about that myself and then I get back to that original point which is like remember like you're still designing your life at all times like if you get to that point and you realize like actually this isn't it like forge a new path Right. And, and you will be doing so with confidence that like, you know, you can get there because you've already done it once towards one dream. And just because right. like this dream wasn't while it was cracked up to be, you know, you can forge a new path. Oh, wow. So many. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I also think too, going from that, some of the fear may be stemming from, okay, well, I, I reached this goal let's say I succeed at this school and then I realize it's, it's not all that it's cracked up to be, or it wasn't what I expected or now. And then there's that fear of like, Oh, what else, what else is after that? Like what else? And then also thinking about, you know, we talked about being in our jobs for, for X number of years for a decade or, or what have you and, and not knowing what else is out there and, you know, be, we're not, as young as we were before, where I mean, we're in our like early 30s, but we're not, you know, fresh out of college anymore. And and the concept that I feel like there's always society is always like showing us our age, you know, mm-hmm. and like, 
this prescription of like you should be here at a certain this at this chapter in your life at this time at this age and I think that also kind of scares me too it's like okay well what if I go after this goal and it takes five years or whatever and then now I realize I want another thing is it too late is it you know not the right time anymore all that mm-hmm. stuff, all thinking about all that stuff can be scary and uncomfortable for sure. But I think sure. what you've shared in terms of like tools, again, I go back to that term all the time, but it's, it's, it helps. I think, I think it can help people get more comfortable with the, at least providing some sort of direction. Because I think, like you said, in the beginning, it's a lot of people are just kind of aimless, aimlessly, like going throughout their lives yeah. with little to no direction. And I think, what you offer is is providing at least a foundation of, of a lot of reflection, like self-reflection. And within that reflection, it's identifying what you really want out of this life and then mm-hmm. applying it to the areas where you think that are, are not the word, not lacking, but maybe it is. Maybe it, you just feel like there's there's more to it. And I feel like there's you are able to provide that kind of direction that people need. And that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> Yeah. One thing I wanted to mention, Melissa, is just, I, I agree. I think a lot of us um, are worried that like we're, uh, we're supposed to be at a certain place or doing a certain thing. And, you know, social media doesn't make that any better. And one other kind of nugget from yoga that I've really clung to for years is you are exactly where you're supposed to be. And everything in your life prepares you for like what you're going to do next. And so even if you think like, okay, I've been, you know, an accountant for 10 years, how is that going to help me, you know, in my acting career, like it will have prepared you in some way or another to have success in that future. So I I just want to encourage people like, don't be afraid to try something new. If your heart is like pulling you in a certain direction, don't be afraid to go that direction just because you don't know how it will like factor into a potential future career. Like Mm -hmm. it all ties together and you're always exactly where you're supposed to be. Right. Like it's not wasted time, which I think exactly. is what people are scared of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Megan, there's so many things I think that we would love to keep talking to you about, but obviously <laughs> we have to end at some point. I just would love um, if you could tell people more about where to find you, if they're interested in working with you and where can they learn more about all the things that you've shared with us today that have already been so helpful and just like a short conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm everywhere. I'm on TikTok, Instagram, and my website is all MeganMurphy.coach. That's Megan with a G-H. Um, I also uh, am on LinkedIn. That's probably where my biggest following is. You can find me there either through one of my other platforms or searching Megan Murphy. I know LinkedIn is kind of hard sometimes to find people. Um, yeah, and I try to post uh, inspiring content. Again, like I said, I want to be the wake-up call or the come-to-Jesus moment for people. So if you're following me, you're going to see some things that might make you pretty uncomfortable and like constantly challenge you to evaluate, like, am I really where I want to be professionally? And if not, like I'm, I'm in control of my future. So definitely give me a follow if you want that kind of uh, content in your feed. Awesome. Well, thank you again so much, Megan, for 
so much of these little nuggets of information that so I'm many. excited oh to gosh. share with, <laughs> with our audience. So thank you again for being here with us today. And thank you all for listening today. We're available wherever you get your podcasts. So share your thoughts with us by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, share this episode with your friends because this one's a goodie. And be sure to follow us on Instagram and on TikTok at I'mUncomfortable.podcast. We'll be sharing all of Megan's um, handles and all those things, tagging her and all of her posts. So be sure to follow her as well. And we release new episodes every week. So we will see you then. Thank you.